I just had a, a friend who was like, you know what? I realized I needed to get my ass in gear because my kid turned nine years old. And I realized he was at the halfway point of him living with me. Oof, I was yeah. like, oh my. What a gut punch. God. <laughs> Don't ever leave. <laughs> I know. Except at bedtime where you're like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> okay, so okay. let's so, yeah. record the intro now. Just so what is Milkless. Because we, I think we start with the name. Two dads. We love our kids. But then we also need them to know that we're like pretty cool and it's not like a wimpy podcast. So, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey. Milkless. Hey, welcome. Hey. Hey, hey, Milkless. Call the audience, Milkless. What's up, Milkless? <laughs> Matt and Max coming at you. What if that's it? <laughs> that's our first take. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about planning for your kids' future. How intentional do you get about it? How much do you keep an eye on the milestones? What's the value of the milestones? And then, you know, what's the danger of them? Are we teaching our kids soft skills or are we teaching them specifics? Max and I don't totally agree on this. So this one has a little bit more of a debate format. Uh, Spoiler alert, uh, mostly I'm right about all of this. Here we go. All right, Matt, today we're talking about planning. Super excited to chat about this with you today because I think we maybe differ a little bit. Yeah, you would be excited, you tiger, you. Um, I'm I'm a chill tiger dad. (laughs) Listen, I lived in the Netherlands for a while. So, you know, they're saying is do normal for that is be normal because that's crazy enough. With that said, um, the way I like to think about it, and maybe this can be our our jumping off point, is I like to think about our kids as an adult. So what are they going to be like when they're 25? Um, who are they? You know, what are their passions, loves, joys, skills, jobs? What are they doing? And I would just want to make sure that I don't miss anything where it's like, oh shit, my kid is, they've, uh, they don't know how to do this. Like we completely forgot about swimming. <laughs> shit. I didn't, I didn't eat an orange until I was like 24. Yeah. <laughs> just, that one just, just fell through the cracks. It's just a miss. Yeah. Just a little bit of a miss. A lot of time that's just, I feel like my wife and I'll be like, oh shit. That kid's old enough to do this. When did our other kids do that? Yeah. You know, so, I, you know, how do you think about that sort of thing? Because I feel like mine's more rigid. You're more fluid. Maybe your kids are less stressed out because of it. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't but, know. Uh, how do you think about it? Uh, maybe just stressed out in different ways. Um, yeah, I, it's funny. I don't, I don't think backwards from either of my kids being an adult that much. I really try to think of like, what are they going to like doing right now? And what keeps them really engaged? Mm-hmm. Right now, my wife and I do think a lot about, um, you know, what kind of person that we're creating. But to me, that tends to go much more in the direction of like, does she feel like she's worthy of love? Mm -hmm. Does she feel secure in the relationships in her life? Into like some of the more like skills adjacent stuff of like, you know, how verbal is she? How much does she understand when I talk to her or read her a story? I do think a lot about values training and training in like what is ethical and how you treat people. It's just the super, super basics that I feel like are, are up to me. Read with your kid. The more you talk to your kid, the more verbal they're going to be. Make sure they get outside and have access to physical activity. Show them as much new shit as you can. And then if they're interested in something, help them do it. And make sure they know how to catch a ball. Cause if they can't catch their keys, yeah. uh, you know, when they're 25, it's, they're going to get talked about. You got to be able to catch keys. Yeah. Those kinds of things. But how, how much do you look at, you know, developmentally, this is supposed to be happening at this age where my kids, is that a driver for you? Um, not particularly, but like, I'll just always be comparing, you know, as the kids are young 
physical or language. And, you know, we've had kids who are pretty behind physically. Um, the, the latest we had a kid crawling was like 20 months. Latest walker, 22 months. So we're just like aware of it. In Amsterdam, we, we, we used some, you know, physical, whatever, helping people. Almost uh-huh. like physical therapy for babies, uh-huh. like stuff OT, like that. the like, uh, yeah, yeah, the exactly, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I think that just being aware of, especially for young kids, comparing the physical and the verbal behavior with other kids their age, because you don't want to have them be behind too far, and and then realize that like you could have done just a little early intervention mm-hmm. to get them back up to snuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how about you? I think my wife tracks those more than I do. Which is kind of purposeful. I think there's always like there's utility in things like milestones, but there's also danger in them. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Because you can obsess about them, and and honestly, like ninety eight percent of the time, if a kid is behind, they, they just, just catch, catch up. up. It is helpful because it can tell you if like you know getting them a little bit of help now will save a bunch of heartache down the road. But I do worry about pathologizing something that's maybe just a temporary phase or deciding that there's really something wrong. I heard an interview. This was, uh, it really stuck with me. Do you know who ta Coates is? He's a writer. No. Um, he was doing this interview. And he's like, yeah, I read late. And he said, I was really late to learn how to read. And then I was a really slow reader and I'm still a pretty slow reader. And this guy is, he's a prominent American yeah. <laughs> author who is a beautiful writer. And so it's like, I never want to get into that. Oh shit mode. Right. With that said, that could be a sample size of one. And there could be like 99 other kids who are behind at reading and then fell behind in school and then thought, I don't like school because I'm not a good reader. And then people make fun of them and then this and that. And, you know, there is a study that that I pulled that basically stated in uh, 2014 that uh, the majority of parents didn't use effective methods to foster their child's language acquisition. But then the, 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 the good part is that when they did learn about language intervention, then there was a significant positive association between the parents' interaction and the and the child's total language age. Mm-hmm. So what it what it says is like if you recognize that they're behind, like parents can have a major impact yeah. on, you know, how the kids perform. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, there's planning, like making sure that they have these, you know, reading and math skills, you know, at, at, a, at, a, at a nice milestone rate. But also it's just kind of like fun things too. Like, um, like I realized the other day that our kids are three, five and seven and none of them have ever been to a pro sports game. And that's just a fun experience that, man, I just kind of missed that. You know, I, I was also thinking, could our kids go to a concert? Like, what's the age for that? Uh-huh. I don't want to miss that. And our kids go to college and all these other kids are like, yeah, I, I got to go to all these concerts. And I'm like, wait a minute. I forgot to. So does this give you, does this give you worry that you're going to miss? It feels like you're. No, because. It's just not a worry that ever occurs to it's me. It's not a worry, but I, I love fun things and exposing them to new things. Sure. Yeah. But I'm always kind of, uh, in addition to maybe doing the stuff you're doing of thinking about a well-adjusted human being with, you know, good pro-social behavior or, you know, handling big kid emotions. Also kind of thinking about what are those other things that. Like, for example, I was, I'm very entrepreneurial. I just want to make sure I I show kids that I want to do lemonade stands with them this summer, Mm -hmm. you know, and just what happens if they just absolutely love that? Just the, the, the scrappiness of, you know, making setting up a little table and, 
you know, getting a little box to keep the money in or setting up a Venmo thing. And then the kids are just like, find that so exciting and, and whatever. I don't know. I feel like the way I look through it is giving them a smattering of different things. Yeah. So that they can choose from, from them from yeah. figuring out what yeah. their passions are. I do. I do agree with you that, um, that just being in search of newness and novelty all the time, it's also just a good way to spend your weekends because yeah. kids get such a kick out of stuff they haven't done before. You know, using the example of like entrepreneurship, the first thing you said is I'm really entrepreneurial. I want my kids to see that. It's like, well, you have answered your question. Yeah. There's this great quote. Your kids don't listen to you. They watch you. Like how, the biggest way your kids learn from you is by how you live your life. So if you want an honest kid, be honest with them. If you, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The biggest determinant of, uh, of financial success of, of income for a kid is guess what? The income of their parents. So, mm-hmm be the kind of person that you want them to be. And I know that you're not like losing sleep over this. I just want to tell you, like there is no way you will have kids who are unable to pursue their dreams or don't have the confidence to go try something difficult. They're just, they are you and your wife's children. Yeah. They will not be able to miss those traits because they've seen them in you and you have a positive relationship with them. So I think that's like, just the calming of the, but what if they missed this detail? They'll get it later. Yeah. Uh, you know, I decided I was going to be entrepreneurial when I wasn't getting paid enough in my first job as an editor. So I decided to start a production company. I never had a lemonade stand. My parents never, uh, it's going to work itself out down the road if they have the soft skills. The thing I would say though is, do you talk to people who ask you advice about taking that jump into entrepreneurship? How did you do it, Matt? A lot of times until you do it, like you took a jump, I took a jump and we kind of figured it out trial by fire. If our kids, our kids could do that too. Mm -hmm. That's totally fine. But also we've, this is almost how we pass things down generation to generation. So maybe you and I are apes that made a tool. We're going to teach our kids that we learned something. So then it's, if I can not tiger them and be all crazy on them, like you must start a business. But I feel like there's a way to show them like, yeah, man, whatever you want to do. We want to do a, a lemonade stand. Like, let's let's find it. Let's pick a good spot. Which, mm-hmm. What spot should we pick? You know, there's a lot of runners that come yeah. through here. What if we do it with sports drinks? All right, cool. Do we want to add some protein bars? All right. You're going to finance this? And, <laughs> you know, stuff I like that. I could be your VC. Let's talk percentages. How much? <laughs> yeah. What am I getting out of this? Um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess. And then it's some fun. Of it, it's like fun. It's know? fun. Yes. And it, like, that's kind of a general rule is that if it's fun, you're probably doing fine. I, yeah. I do think there's a little bit of like, how much are you saying, well, you want to do a lemonade scene? You want to do, you want to do a lemonade True. Should, True. should we do a lemonade scene? versus them? I mean, which probably varies a lot kid to kid. hundred percent. We've with our eldest daughter and we'll see what the baby's like. She may be very different, but with the, with our eldest daughter, anything she's wanted to do, she's just started figuring out how to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, buckle up. That girl took two swim lessons and they weren't fun and then just kept getting in the pool and taught herself how to be a good swimmer, basically. And now we're at the point where we're like, okay, well, maybe I have a couple more swim lessons so she can really learn her strokes and get more efficient, et cetera, et cetera. But she's been that way with reading, with math. She's always just been like, I want to do this. And the second I'm like, what about this? She's like, fuck off, dad. I know what I want to do. Can you help me with that? But that's good, though, because maybe you're putting a lot of fodder in front of her for her to choose. And I think that's what I'm kind of saying is I don't want to have any blind spots 
in, in their understanding of the world so that they can know what strings that they might want to pull on. This episode is brought to you by Violet Archer in the case of the Purple Martin. Here's a little excerpt for you. It's crazy how two places can be so close together, so totally different. Martha Mom and Papa Dan's yard was warm and bright with soft green grass and plenty of room to roam. But behind that big row of bushes was an absolute jungle, untouched ground, the wild. Anything could happen back here. Was I feeling scared? You bet I was. But I was also feeling tough. Because remember, it's me and Baba out there, and we're no pushovers. Dado says scared plus tough equals brave, which means you can't even be brave without being scared first. I think maybe he's onto something with that. That was a little snippet of Violet Archer in the case of the Purple Martin. Check the podcast description for a link to buy the book or search Violet Archer on Amazon and buy it today. I let our kids pull on a string a couple months ago where we started talking about, you know, ski mountaineering and hiking up mountains and, and mountaineering and stuff. And then they're like, wait a minute, can you camp in the snow? I'm like, well, I've never done it, but I think you can. And over over two months of bedtimes, we got to the point where we were planning how we were going to all become winter camping mountaineers. I'm like, okay, level one certification is we got to sleep in the backyard 30 feet from our back door. And we did that and it happened to drop to seven degrees overnight. <laughs> oh shit. And we, it was rough night, very harrowing. I woke up with like icicles on my eyebrows. Oh um, dude. Wow. <laughs> it, it was, it was the real deal. And, but they, oh, now man. they like know that they can do that and they can know whether they don't like that or they do like that. And that's a string that they can pull on into the future. Like, but here's what I'd argue about that. Yeah. So you were talking about being entrepreneurial earlier. Something happened and your kids were like, holy shit, you can do that. And you were like, yeah, but it takes work to get there. And sometimes it feels hard, but you can achieve that thing if you're resourceful and you plan well and you stick with it. Camping in the snow provides the set of soft skills because like, even if they want to be entrepreneurial, they're not going to have their idea until they're much, much older. To me, what's more important is communicating, yeah, you can bring something into the world from your mind. Mm-hmm. You can, uh, this one I think of is very valuable if you work hard at something, you will get better at it, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something to really figure out with kids as they're learning skills that are maybe not fun at first. And you have to help them get over the hump of that. But I just don't worry so much about them missing something that would maybe be the love of their life. Because I think, I guess a lot, the truth is a lot of it is I feel like school is there to teach them a curriculum. I am there to help them learn whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. And to feel and to help make sure they feel confident and good about themselves. But what if you never did painting and the kids never painted or drew ever? You know, you think that they'd learn that at school? You paint at school. Or like, what about movie production? Well, look, that's just like since my daughter was um, young, we just do things where I was like, okay, the light's really great. I want you to run as fast as you can through the yard. I'm going to chase you like a steady cam and shoot slow motion and then we'll look at it because I just like it. I mean, I've been teaching her to act accidentally since she was two because we just play a game of like, okay, now make a face where you're really excited, but then suddenly you get bad news. So yeah, those things are happening, but I haven't like opened up Premiere to show her, you know, how to edit. Because but it's there just, will become a time where maybe you would or should, and maybe if that'll she's just come, interested. Yeah. But I think she's got to. I agree with you that it's your job to expose them to a ton, but I don't want to have a program, a learning program. I just don't. Oh, no, I completely agree. But I think that I like the idea of 
putting a little bit of structure, at least in my mind, to making sure that they get to taste a lot of stuff. There's, I do not agree with like hardcore, you know, picking a track for them. But for example, like what happens if, you know, your daughters are 18 years old, they know that daddy is a filmmaker, you know, so they have marginal interest in it. And then they go to college and then they realize they take a video editing class and then they realize that, oh my God, they love video editing and film production. So I was just thinking like, if I were in your shoes, I'd say something like, okay, well, when the kids are like 12, we'll edit a short together just so they taste this thing. And they see your passion of how when you edit a short film or something, and then they'll know the whole thing, how it goes, soup to nuts, from creation, storyboarding, to making something. And then they'll know like, yeah, it's not really for me. Or like, holy shit, that's a string I want to pull on, dad. Yeah. What if they don't know to ask to, to make a movie with you? I mean, except that like you can learn the tools of editing and the process of editing in a month, but I've worked with very seasoned editors and I only worked with them once where I was just like, you can't work with music or you fundamentally don't have a great understanding of dramatic tension and story. So I might suggest that we edit a short film. I think one of my big worries is like editing's like a little tedious and like many things, the execution of creative is not quite as glamorous as you'd think it'd be. I, what I'd worry about is making them do it too early. And they're like, this fucking sucks. It's like, ah, if you'd come to it later, it's real dope. So my daughter and I tell stories together where we just pass it mm-hmm. off and I'll tell a little bit and she'll tell a little bit and I'll tell a little bit and she'll tell a little bit. So it's like, yeah, you could pick up, you could learn how to use Premiere Pro when you're 20. You can learn how to use it in a month. And if you kick ass at story, then the as soon as you have that, you're going to be better than a lot of people who are already making money doing it. Yeah. It's the soft, it's all soft. Soft skills. Yeah. I I think that people specialize too early. I would go so far as to say people specialize way too early. Oh, oh, for sure. We have young kids. Yeah, we have young kids. But it it happens before you know it. I just had a a friend who was like, you know what? I realized I needed to get my ass in gear because my kid turned nine years old. And I realized he was at the halfway point of him living with me. Ooh, yeah. And that like blew me away. I was like, oh my. What a gut punch. God, <laughs> don't ever leave. <laughs> I um, know. Except at bedtime, where you're like, "Get the fuck out of my house." Um, <laughs> yeah, I completely agree that specialization is actually somewhat toxic for for kids. Um, they need to be, you know, generalists for the most part to be able to adapt. I guess here's what I struggle with: is like it relates to skiing and entrepreneurship. So, one, my family didn't ski growing up. Uh, I yeah, me neither. I, the physical stuff, it's harder to learn when you get older. That's a good point. Yeah. Neuroplasticity. Yeah. So we didn't ski growing up. Um, same thing with entrepreneurship. I started multiple companies when I was older. I would have loved to uh, know that I could have started one younger. Like it, it's fun for me. It's like, it's, it's like a sport or something. It's very exciting. It's not like work. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of passion as a kid, played a lot of sports, had a great childhood. But I'm just thinking like, hmm, if I had known, if someone had told me that it isn't that scary and difficult to start a company, I don't know, that would have been a fun thing to, to pull on as a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old. Yeah. You know, yeah. like going to a junkyard and buying parts and reselling them and making a website yeah. as a 15-year-old. That'd be so easy to do and then make money and then buy my own car. Like that would be, as opposed to like I worked, you know, minimum wage at a, at a restaurant, which is fine. 
but I didn't even know that I could have started a company at 15. Yeah. I had the smarts and drive to do that. So I'm just thinking like the lemonade stand is show, you know, see what's up. Yeah. I guess I just might argue that, that because of who you are and because of what you do and because you have been successful as an entrepreneur, which your kids will know about it, you know, I'm sure I already know about to some extent we'll know about more as they get older. If you put in zero effort to pushing them in that direction, it would be very clear that that was a path they could take. And then if they have that pull, they're going to get there. I have this worry of, of putting my thumb on the scale too much and pushing my kid towards something that is ultimately not suited to their temperament. My worry, I, it would be much easier for me to have like a moderately successful kid, you know, financially moderately successful, who is like a farmer or a special ed teacher or whatever, who didn't make a ton of money, but was very happy. Yeah. 100%. It would be easier for me to have a moderately successful kid who was very happy than to have a super high achieving kid who was miserable. Yeah. But I think, I think you are such a great dad in the sense that you would never do that, that if you did do a little of it, it would not backfire or have, so have bad re re repercussions. Here's another example. So I was super advanced in math in high school and college, aced, calculus and, and everything like hundred percent in high school love math absolutely love math and after we sold the software company I actually thought about getting a phd in advanced math and doing that for the rest of my life like i absolutely love math what a nerd i know it's weird but then so <laughs> sorry it's great you love math so but no one ever cultivated my math i didn't even realize i liked math till like eighth grade and then I started to excel and go faster, but no one ever really was pulling on that string. So with our kids, I start doing one plus one. I do but two I plus like one. But I feel like you just made my argument for me. Like nobody ever pushed you in math. You aced every class in it. You thought about being a PhD. You didn't, but then you used a lot of your math brain and skill set to become a really successful tech entrepreneur. Like what yeah. went wrong in that situation? Nothing was wrong. Nothing was wrong. I was a happy kid. I'm just saying... I, if, if you had asked me as a five-year-old, like, hey, do you want to go a little harder? I would have absolutely loved to. And there would be, have been no pushing. That was, yeah. turned out to okay. be one of my okay. passions. And okay. no one ever, I had to figure that out on my own. Yeah. Whereas like, I, I'm putting all this stuff in front of our kids. One of the three of our kids loves math, is obsessed with math. Mm -hmm. And is like, yo, can I keep going? I'm like, sure. He keeps going. I'm like, okay, bro, just let you know, like, you should play outside. Like, you don't have to do any of this. He's like, but am I allowed to? Then it's easy. If they show that aptitude and that and that interest, then you just get behind them. And it's like, what do you need to chase this? But, but that came from putting these little dinner plates in front of them to see which ones they eat from. Like, the mm -hmm. our, our other yeah. one is not that into math. He's good at it, but he's not, like, obsessed and wants to go deep, maybe how I used to. But he's more into his body. And I could see him maybe being into parkour or something. He's yeah. so that's, amazing. That's a great. That's a really lucrative parkour is <laughs> if he gets into. <laughs> no, but I mean, I talk about passions. It's yeah, like yeah. he loves moving his body and like, dad, watch mm -hmm. this. Look at this move. So then I'm like, okay, you know, I'll write down stuff like, what is this guy like? I don't want to miss something where, oh, then he turns 25 understands that, oh, I could have done parkour. Mm -hmm. Because if I could help a child get to adulthood where they know they love whitewater kayaking yeah. and paleontology, yeah. and those things fill their heart with joy. And 
And they know that. I mean, how many people do you know who are like, you know, what do you like to do? What are your passions? And they're just like, I don't even know. I don't even know what I like. And, and I, I would help a friend. I would help an adult that way. So I, I try to help our kids that way too. Uh-huh. Helping people understand their passions. Not manufacturing it for them the same way I do it for a good friend. What do you like to do? What makes you happy? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's, uh, and maybe, and that is probably where we meet is that like we, really we want our kids to be driving their passions for themselves and, and for us to be in support of that. I think that you put more structure and planning around that than I do. You maybe err, err in the direction of stressing about that sometimes. I think I err in their direction of like not being quite proactive enough. Like my daughter, I asked my daughter if she'd want to try to play soccer. And she was like, yeah. And then, and I was, had to make a conscious, like, okay, I need to get on that and organize that for her. Cause I know I'm not that good yeah. at that shit. I just like finding the thing and filling out the thing. And my wife does the majority of that, but with a baby and you know, it's just hard. Like yeah, we don't always, sometimes I wish we were a little more tiger just in our organizational skills around things that she's expressed interest in. Um, yeah. And it gets easier as they get older and there's also nothing really that you can really fall down on until they get older because specializing too early is just a waste of time and energy. The yeah. kids just need to be generally athletic. You can do that at yeah. a playground. You can do that in the, in the front or backyard. But when you, when you get three kids, you do start to compare a little bit where um, we realized like our three-year-old had never done a, an organized anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're like, huh, well, our three-year-olds, our other two you know, older kids, when they were in, in Amsterdam, we did this like little ball thing like a little where they kick a balloon around ball and yeah fuchiball so like it's football but yeah may is like small like in spanish like ito oh ito like yeah maxito so Fuchito, it's like fuchia yeah fuchia is like a little ball sidebar like the dutch term for uh a rascal like all oh, these kids are being rascals is bufia <laughs> and so boof is criminal it's really good. <laughs> so it's a little, little criminal. Ah, oh, he's boofy as. God, that's, so that's really what a rascal. Good.